So when we think of vampires, and we talk about the, the legend and lore behind it, you know, a, a certain Irish writer by the name of Bram Stoker had many, many influences on his work. Uh, and if you're unfamiliar with the book he wrote, it's called Dracula. <laughs> Uh, classic horror novel, and and I highly recommend it to anyone. One of my absolute all-time favorites. But one of the inspirations that he, he looked on in when, when writing this book was the Countess Elizabeth Bathroy the Exit. You may have heard it, Elizabeth Bathroy. Um, there, there's Bathory, a, there's a bunch heard. of different pronunciations. But she was she's come over the years to be known as the Blood Countess, purportedly bathed in the blood of virgins. I think we'll find that some of this was exaggerated over the years. But just how much? You know, we're 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 gonna we're gonna talk about the blood countess tonight. Join us if you will. From a child born into this world, we are taught what to believe. Close-minded, we become fearful to be deceived. Still, we desire to know what lies beyond that locked door. The art of the storyteller, conjuring tales of legend and lore, history hidden, lost knowledge, things forgotten, and the unknown. These are the things that direct us and will set the tone. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Nightmares on the Lost Highway. Well, I have down Elizabeth Batory, Bathroy, however you want to pronounce it. I'm going to say Bathory because Bathory. that's the way it's spelt, and I'm not traditionally Hungarian, so I don't know how to say it. <laughs> but I have Countess Elizabeth Bathory the Exed. Well, regardless, uh, was born in August 1560. A very wealthy family, nobility, kings, and royalty. Yeah, she uh, her family owned land in the Kingdom of Hungary, um, which is now Hungary, Slovakia, and Romania. And right over there by Transylvania at, at the time. Uh, yet, um, and I believe a lot of her family was uh, Transylvanian nobility, the Voivoda, uh, yes, however you say I, it. Yep, however you want to say it. But obviously, yeah, some of the direct family was reported. Uh, however, to have epileptic convulsions, anger management issues, if you will. Well, as, as a child, she suffered um, a lot of health issues. Uh, it, it, I have multiple seizures that were, were mm-hmm. attributed to epilepsy. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, symptoms uh, were, were usually diagnosed as what they called the falling sickness. I noticed that, yeah, of course, epilepsy, that word didn't yeah. exist. The falling, because they would often convulse and fall down. And and possibly sort of the groundwork for later parts of, of, of Elizabeth's story, the treatment included rubbing the blood of a non-sufferer on the lips of the epileptic. And, and okay. get the first touches of blood on yeah. the skin. Yeah. Or, or supposedly also... Uh, um, giving the patient a mix of the non-sufferer's blood and a piece of their skull as an episode ended. Uh, that that's, would help. That's right out of like caveman Viking stuff there. And again, and like I said, maybe this is a, you know, maybe this is what started her down that, that path. Who knows? Now um, she, she also had a marriage that was already, uh, arranged while she was the age of eight already. Her family had prearranged a wedding that would take place a couple years later. Uh, to a, and I'm going to butcher this name, <laughs> Ferenik II Natasi, or something along those lines. Yeah, she was only married once. Now, there was some talks that she had an affair uh, with a yeah. young nobleman by a different name. But yeah, at age 13, she allegedly gave birth to a, to a, to a, a, a child. And that was and like a stable hand yeah, or le- something. Yeah, fathered by, by a peasant. Mm-hmm. And that she supposedly gave away to a, a local 
Well, and the story I took was she was madly in love with this peasant boy, stable boy, and the mother stepped in and said, oh, no, you know, he's not good enough for royal. And as we all know, royal families, especially at that time, there was, we'll use the word inbreeding. I yeah. mean, literally, it, it was that. I read in the research that they took her child, which literally threw her over anxiety and, 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 again, and issues. And another... You know, another piece of that puzzle that gets us where we end up here. And, and I understood they killed the peasant boy. They're like, it, it may not come down to say they actually killed the peasant boy, but the mom was like, oh, you don't have to worry about him ever again, you know, kind of deal. She was raised Calvinist Protestant. Uh, and as a young woman, she learned Latin, German, Hungarian, and Greek. Uh, she was born into a privileged family of nobility, so she was endowed with wealth, education, and prominent social rank. So in 1953, like you said, she's engaged to to marry the Count Ferenc Nadezdi. Yes. We'll have, However you pronounce it. We are going to tear up Just some names in Please this one. bear with us. He was a very fierce warrior, uh, fighting well, for the king, earning his right, lands, uh, accumulating his own money. So, I mean, this was a good marriage from family to family. Well, and more than likely, it was a political arrangement for Absolutely. obvious reasons. You know, they Absolutely. were nobility. Uh, they were married on May 8th of 1575. I think she was about 15 years age yep. at that time frame. And then talk about a wedding gift. Nadazdi's wedding gift to Bathory was his household. The castle of Zelt, or Zelt, again, we're going to butcher the name. And it was situated in the Little Carpathians near Vagulgeli and Trunksen, which is modern day Nova Mesto, Nadavahom. God bless Trinsen, you for getting these words, Bill. Slovakia. Slovakia, that Slovakia. I recognize. That's I a recognize. place. That's a right? place. I've Those heard of that. Are... I've seen that on a map. So uh, she she also got a country home and 17 adjacent villages. That's a pretty good wedding gift. So uh, in 1578, Nadazdi became the chief commander of the Hungarian soldiers, and he led them to war against the Ottomans. Uh, now, with her husband away, Bathory managed the business affairs and the estates, and her role also included responsibility for the Hungarian and the Slovak people that she was in her kingdom. And I got to stress will. how uncommon that was. Now, yeah. At the same time frame, one of my descendant or ancestors, Queen Elizabeth I, Queen Elizabeth Tudor, was probably one of the only other female strong arms, if you will, in Wally that, that called the shot. Yeah. But yeah, her husband was always away on war. Uh, literally Count, the Count Nadaz. Yes, that is the proper that's term. Probably that's probably the third different way I've said it since we started. But here. you got to keep in mind this entire area was was just was constantly at war. the The Northlands were controlled by the hierarchy. The Southernlands were the Turks and and animalistic army. I mean, it was it was a lot of bloodshed. So he was gone often, and yeah, she called the shots. She ran yeah. the business. She did it all the time. Yeah, she was uh, charged with defense of the estates, which were en route to Vienna. So they were on a on a, on a well-traveled path and the threat of uh, attack was significant and the village of Sajet, which is probably wrong, had previously been plundered by the Ottomans. So it was, it was a target and, yes. and she, she led those, those soldiers step right up. Now there's also some rumors at the time that she was uh, compassionate and that she would take care of the women mm -hmm. that found themselves in dire straits. And there's even one story of a, of a woman who was raped by soldiers that she helped step in and make sure that the baby was taken care of. And if I remember correctly, tried to identify the soldier and, and, and bring him to justice. So there's not 
I mean, she's not completely heartless. No, and I also, and again, probably because of her upbringing and, and her training, I actually read where she practiced some of the healing skills at the time and often donated her time trying to care for the sick and, and yeah. stuff like you were saying. Yeah, no, she's known to have provided medical care during what they called the Long War in 1593 to 1606. So she's not heartless. She's not a monster, despite how she was described and, and some of the atrocities that will later be attributed to her. I was like a teeter-totter. While I was researching this story, really, I mean, you hear the whole story of Elizabeth Bathory and, you know, bathing in blood of maidens and virgins. And I will say in the research, you know, I, I try to find the facts. I found several references where while this was an arranged marriage, I found where I, I do believe they truly loved each other. It they, seems like they had a lot in common, which several, we'll get into. Several here. kids. Yeah. But I'm yeah. gonna, I'm, we're going to step back just a little bit when she was younger and, and some of her training uh, and again, she was brought up very noble, a lot of training. There was a uh, one of her teachers, scholars, however you want to put it, that was teaching her how to plant seeds and, and grow plants and trees. Well, I guess she brought one of these pot, clay pot or whatever they had planted in it, and brought it back to her scholar at, at one time afterwards. And, and she had planted a live chick, a baby chicken. She'd uprooted the plant that had grown from a seed. Now, that's not how you grow full-size chickens. That is not, but I'm trying to kind of get her mindset. (laughs) She planted the live chick in the dirt, covered it up, and then returned, brought this back, and she seemed to be shocked. I'm guessing she's probably 8, 10 years old at this time frame. When she brought it to the scholar, and it's like, the chick is decaying. There's there's maggots. There's worms. Why did it not grow like the seed that you sh- you know taught me? Now, now see here, I, I am going to say that, that a lot of her story I think gets exaggerated over the years, mm-hmm. and and I I think I've said this in other stories. You know, one of those classic telltale signs of, of a budding psychopath is that ability to torture animals yes. and not understand. And, you know, and again, I think maybe that's a story that gets tacked on later. Maybe that's something that did happen. You know, maybe I, it did, I, maybe it didn't. I do have that, that, that some have said that, that maybe her later cruelty was that she was trained by her family to be cruel. They I were nobles that well. of the time. And, and, and so, it was a time of war. Yeah, and the, and the peasantry just didn't matter to the nobles. I know it said in a couple of instances I researched that her father would lead her out and make her witness, you know, oh yes, yes. torturing, uh, beheadings. This yeah. is what you're going to grow up in life, especially being a woman. Well, and, and it's going to be harder in a know, man's that, world at that time. That first part in Game of Thrones where they, they have to behead the, the mm-hmm. guy who broke his vows. And, and they tell the young kid, you have to watch this. You this have is to part watch of your upbringing. This. Yes. Uh, there's, uh, there, there's rumors that she was taught by family members of Satanism and witchcraft even. Mm-hmm. And again, there's there's no hard evidence for these claims. So a lot of them, you know, they don't have any proof to back them Throw up. Throw it to the wall well. and see what sticks. So we, we talked about how she had children. Mm-hmm. Her first daughter with uh, Count Nadazdi was Anna, born in 1585. Uh, she does have other known children, which is Orsolia, Catalin, Andras, Paul. And then some stories say that they also had another son named Miklos, although his his birth is not confirmed. There's no record of him ever actually being born. And it could be that he was simply a cousin, or, or maybe he died before there was any sort of documentation. But at least five children. Yes, but but all of her children were cared for by a governess. She wasn't directly involved in their upbringing. And I thought that was odd. She was, maybe she kind of resented her family making her be so involved that she removed her children from that. And that's, that's possible. 
But I did find on all accounts, she made sure they were very well taken care of. Even after her death, I mean, it was arranged where all of them were taken care of. I believe later on it's possible that Paul may have been involved in some of what happened. And I think he's the youngest, so maybe, you know, since he was the baby. But uh, on January 4th, 1604, at the age of 48, Count Ferenc Nadazdi dies. Now, the exact nature of his illness, they don't know what it is that killed him, mm-hmm. seems to have started in 1601 with, with debilitating pain in his legs. That sounds like maybe diabetes, possibly, you know, diabetic neuropathy. Um, but from that time, he never fully recovered. Uh, 1603, became permanently disabled. Uh, 1604, he passes away. And again, I will stress, hearing his name, they said, just put terror and, and the opponents, whoever he was facing, uh, he was not a man to, <laughs> to stand against. He and his army, uh, the king was really, truly monetarily in debt, too, for all of the lands that he won. And I, I think we may have touched on this earlier. You know, a lot of people think that, that they participated together in her cruelties. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he, he may have actually helped to temper her a little bit, hold her back. Because apparently, you know, the, the the biggest part of the Bathory story that we we commonly know happens after his death. Right. And so with his death, there was no one there to hold her back anymore. Well, you're seeing all these things. She, she had a child that was taken away from her. Uh, possibly the love of her life at that time was killed. Yeah, she's seen horrific military punishments and tortures. I mean, these things are going to shape you one way or another and not for the good usually. So somewhere between 1602 and 1604, rumors of Bathory's atrocities began to spread throughout the kingdom, and a Lutheran minister named Istvan Magyari went and made formal complaints against her, both in public and at court in Vienna. So sometime during 1610, King Matthias II, uh, here's going to be another name that I'm going to (laughs) butcher, he assigned Yuri Thorzo, Thurzo, uh, the Palatine of Hungary, to investigate. He ordered two notaries, Andres Karasturi and Moses Zeraki. And I for, please forgive me because I am butchering these. Uh, but he ordered them to collect evidence in March. By October, they had collected over 52 witness statements. And by 1611, that number had risen to over 300. So people were, were testifying against Bathory. Now, I haven't really delved into what she was accused of. Uh, according to her, the testimonies, her victims included girls aged 10 to 14, and said that she had begun killing the daughters of the lesser gentry who people sent to her to sort of raise as wards, you know, to, to yeah. bring them up in the, the society, to bring them up in nobility, to teach them the ways of the noble woman. As many as 600. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I mean, literally, and this isn't my words, but you can see she was labeled as one of the most horrific serial killers. Now, we, we hadn't really got into what she's done. I've got a list here, and, and, you know, just before we start digging into this one, warning, some of these are a little grisly. And graphic, yes. So I, I don't, you know, I don't want anybody to go in this saying that I didn't give you a chance to, to bow out. You know, if you want to skip ahead a few minutes, the the Bathory was a, suspected of doing all kinds of horrific tortures and uh, between her and some of her servants, you know, and, and possibly her youngest, Paul. Uh, witnesses claimed and I'm just going to go through a list here, and then, and Eric, if you need to expand on anything, uh, that she stabbed her victims, mm-hmm. simple, uh, that she bit them on their breasts, hands, faces, arms, and sometimes genitalia. Yes. Uh, she would cut them, uh, cut their noses, cut their lips uh, using scissors. I had, um, and again, this is kind of graphic, but would get to the point, uh, burning pubic hairs, possibly damaging sexual organs. 
Uh, she would whip them with stinging nettles, uh, stick needles through lips and fingers. Had kind of an anger management yeah. issue. Like one servant, um, I'll use the word maybe backtalked or question an order. She nonchalantly, again with no facial features, got up, came across the room, threw the woman down, allegedly, on a, on a table, broke her jaw, just literally using her hands and her strength, just ripped the servant's jaws, broke her jaws. She would burn people with red-hot irons, coins, or keys, uh, strip them naked, and force them into fatal ice baths. I had that where they would strip them, and, like, again, in that area, it gets very cold and frigid. Yeah. Would throw them out overnight and throw buckets of water on them naked, and literally they would find the corpses frozen to the cobblestone the next day. Uh, she would cover people in honey and leave them outside for the insects to devour. One documented case was uh, claims that an unfortunate girl was forced to cook and eat her own flesh. I had not come across that. Doesn't um, surprise me, though. Now, I, I do know she was accused of bathing in the blood of, of, of virgins to retain her youthful good looks and vigor. Now, those stories don't figure in. The first documented instance of, of anyone saying that she bathed in blood happened 100 years later. No one accused her of that at the time. I do have kind of a, a little bit more I want to spin off here. I believe this would have been after the death of her husband. But she reportedly had an affair with a younger nobleman, almost half her age. And she became fearful when he was whisked away by his father, who had also arranged a wedding for his son and not to her. Uh, so he kind of disappeared, and she began to really kind of go off the deep end here, even possibly more, thinking that it was because of her age. You know, her appearance was old. So she kind of developed this fetish to try to find a way to stop aging or the fountain of youth, if you will. One of the stories that is pretty commonly told is she was having a servant girl brush her hair and she was looking at herself in the mirror. And the servant girl maybe got a little rough, pulled some of her hair. And Elizabeth Bathory, again, kind of had one of her anger fits and turned to her and is like, you know, I'm going bald already. You don't have to help me. You're pulling my hair out. And hit her. Now, some said punched her. Some said maybe used the hairbrush, but broke the girl's nose and the blood got on her hand. And in the account, she used this almost like a lotion <laughs> and rubbed the blood on her hand. And as she would see herself in the mirror, she felt it removed the wrinkles. But you know, by all accounts, from what I found, she was considered an attractive woman. Yes. And, and she died at the age of uh, 54 so that's not i mean it's not outrageously no. of course at the time I, people I, had some hard living so i will say as as one historian so adequately put on the internet there was one main painting that's known to exist that's locked up in a museum and, and he said the same thing you know she's not an unattractive woman but he goes then again due to her fierceness would you be the artist that would maybe paint her in a non good <laughs> mode fantastic question maybe we, maybe we only know her to be you know attractive because who would want to paint her otherwise well again going back to this story this particular poor servant girl that she broke the nose she become kind of attracted to that she was the fountain of youth with her blood and i had in the research that they kept her and for many, many months would literally cut her in different places, drain the blood. And she would like rub it on almost like makeup, you know, around her eyes. And again, I will stress when she looked at herself in the mirror, she believed it made her look younger. She asked uh, several of her most trusted 
colleagues and, and servants, and they were honest with her, and they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. You, you, you look beautiful, but nothing changed. Well, and, and again, do you want to be the person that's like, oh, no, you look like an old hag. Now, interesting enough, I never made this connection, but this is where the whole mirror, mirror on the wall from the Disney huh. tale kind of is said to have come, you know, come full turn. But in her mind, she believed this blood was making her younger. And again, she was longing for this nobleman who had been swept away, who came back, was off on again and on again. Uh, but anyhow, this poor girl finally, I, I'm, I'm assuming they just bled her dry, if you will. She just never, her body wouldn't recoup. So when she lost that, that may have started the killing sprees, find me more, Yeah, you know, kind of deal. So beyond just the tortures and such that she had been accused of, some witnesses named uh, relatives who had died while in Bathory's care, and, and some had reported seeing traces of torture on the dead bodies. Uh, some were buried in graveyards, others were buried in unmarked graves, and the, the bodies were never seen. Two court officials claimed to have personally witnessed the Countess torture and kill young servant girls. There were other rumors that say she, she believed that by drinking the blood of these young girls that she could preserve her youthful good looks. I'll kind of interject here. Early on with the, let's say the first 12 or 15 victims, by all accounts, it appears that she reported them appropriately. They had church burials. But there was like 12 or 15 girls that died in a small period of time. People start asking questions. There was allegedly some money going to the uh, the clergyman or priest to kind of keep their mouth shut. And then as we led into some of the, the winter, obviously the area got colder and colder and they couldn't dig graves. So they stopped taking them to the appropriate officials, if you would, <laughs> would dig shallow graves out in the woods or nearby in the frozen ground the best they could, try to try to take care of the bodies in that way as things kind of escalated. Yeah. On December 30th, uh, Thurzo goes to the castle and he arrests Bathory along with four of her servants. These four were accused of being her accomplices, her primary accomplices. Dora Toya, uh, Simtez, Ilona Joe. Katerina Benica and Janos Yuzhvari. Now, did I read right that one of those was like a dwarf? That's possible. I did not see that I, anywhere. I think I read that, which they said was almost kind of a ploy off the Game of Thrones. And, <laughs> and okay, um, three three of them were found guilty and executed, while the fourth uh, was sentenced to life in prison. According to a, a letter between Thurzo and his wife, uh, his unannounced visit did find one dead girl and another living quote, prey girl in the castle when he arrived. It's commonly believed that they caught her in the act of torture, but none of the documentation at the time states that. As a matter of fact, the documentation says she was at the at the table having dinner when they arrived at the castle to arrest her. I'm going to kind of take the opposite side here for her. And again, I'm not condoning any of this by any means, but at the time, it was not uncommon to torture servants, slaves, this was done by men many times, and that's kind of where and the story think it's is. What she was doing, like the way she was going about it, more than what she was doing. Yes, it's common to torture, and, and but she was yeah, really taking, taking it, it to, to a new, the next extreme. Level. Just to say that she was torturing servants, and you know that what, was commonly done. And Not I, I that don't it was think right, it's the torturing of servants done. that was the problem. It's these these noble children that were sent to her. Yeah, yeah. So now a lot of people said that Thurzo had caught her, you know, red-handed. But but even his documentation, she was detained prior to the discovery of victims, and it seems likely that the claim that he found her covered in blood is is clearly fake too. Yeah, and and again, like I said, the story gets punched up over the years. 
Thurzo de- debated further proceedings with Bathroy's son Paul and two of her sons-in-law. Her family, of course, ruled Transylvania, as it was known at the time, and 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 there there are rumors that, that that's possible that Bathory didn't even do the things she was accused of. It was simply politically motivated to remove her from power and to seize those. She lands. owned a lot of property and had a lot of power, and a lot of people resented yeah, that. Yeah, and and the. Yeah, I mean, she was a powerful woman in, in times when there weren't powerful women. Now, I did find one source going back to the whole blood draining and all this. To Bill's point, no, you see the the horror movies and stuff where literally she had like a clawfoot bathtub <laughs> yeah. that she's literally yeah. bathing in pools of blood. I, that's I think that's way far fetched. But I did find one account where she or someone in her company had went to the blacksmith tinker or whatever to design a machine with spikes, and I'm going to call it like a, an Iron Maiden type object, that would drain blood. And the reasoning for it was the whole witch thing. She said that she wanted to drain the liquid out of the witch's body so they could burn easier without the moisture inside. And then, you know, some kind of took that, well, here was, you know, here's the sign. She had this monstrosity of this machine yeah. constructed, and she was bathing in it. Again, there might have been, like with most stories, a, a little pinch of truth there, but it, it was definitely, I think, dialed up. You yeah, know? I, I think a lot of the story gets punched up over the years because you find that, that, and again, what official documentation you're going to maintain yeah. from that time frame, but, but a lot of the, even, even the stuff that we do have access to does not have a lot of the, the stories we came to know it eventually. Yeah. Now, another interesting tidbit here, and, and again, this is uh, kind of a sensitive nature, but... Uh, it was said that she was possibly bisexual. Some said that she was quite possibly a nymphomaniac, one of those obsessed with sex, uh, and especially bondage and torture. And it is said that her husband was also very much into bondage with servants and possibly having menage a trois, uh, orgies, this type of thing. Uh, from a are political you, are standpoint, you trying to disperse the Nadazdi name. <laughs> um, you know, maybe if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck. But uh, another political aspect was if she was truly a nymphomaniac, obsessed with sex, her husband was away, she would have sex with women because obviously, therefore, there would be no chance of children, which would obviously pull her down from that power. She was very concerned it seemed to be her whole life and i think she had reason to be that people were out to get her yeah to take that power from her well thurzo along with her with paul and her sons-in-laws had originally planned for bathory to be sent to a nunnery for the remainder of her life but uh as accounts of her actions spread and, and her, her notoriety increased they instead decided to keep her under what they what would we would call a very straight form of house arrest and i saw some stories they bricked her in her bedroom yeah, and, and again uh, some say they bricked her up in a room with just slots for food and stuff. The The official account is that she had full run of the castle. She just couldn't leave the castle. So Now, interesting enough, she never went to trial. No, she there was never a trial for Bathory. The servants and people that they interviewed, which was hosts, that turned evidence against her, however, were put on trial, and most of them were put to death. Well, I, because of her status, her noble status, they did not want a full-blown trial. It was, I was, I'm not sure how to phrase it, but just she was too powerful yeah. to do that to. Yeah. So the highest number of victims cited during the trial of Bathory's accomplices was 650. Um, That's a lot. And that number came, comes from a, a claim by a servant girl named uh, Susanna, 
to one of the court officials that she had seen that name in one of Bathory or she'd seen that number in one of Bathory's private books. So again, she was a servant girl. She was peasantry. She may not have been properly educated. She's citing a number. She might not even be able to read or write. So, so who knows? Right. Make your mark here. And it was an and, X kind and of yeah, thing. This book was never turned over as evidence. No one, no one ever saw it in court. So, uh, on January 25th, 1611, Thurzo wrote a letter to King Matthias describing that they had captured and confined Bathory to her castle. Uh, she was never put on trial because of her family standing. Uh, she was detained in the castle of Zjet, however you say it, for the remainder of her life. I think it was about four years is what yeah. I saw that she, whether she was bricked into a room or confined to the castle, she lived another and, four years or so. Like you said, it was written that she was locked up in a bricked room or she was confined to a single room. And that could have been the but, Hollywood aspect, you know. But according to visitors, even that, that she had like free free roam of the house, so her castle, as it were. Now, uh, she she wrote out a will in September of sixteen ten and left all of her current and future inheritances to her children. Uh, in the last month of sixteen fourteen, so this would have been after about three years of confinement, she signed an arrangement which distributed her estates, her lands, and her possessions equally among her children. So. On the evening of August 20th, 1614, she complained to her bodyguard that her, her hands were cold. And he replied, quote, it's nothing, mistress, just go and lie down. And she went to sleep, and she was found dead the following morning. And she was buried in the church of the castle grounds on November 25th, 1614. And uh, according to some, the villagers were, were not happy with her being buried on church ground. Uh, and her body was eventually moved to her home at Exed. Uh, where it was interred in the Bathory family crypt. Uh, the location of her body today is unknown, and there's nothing in the Jets Church or the castle that bears any markings to give any indicator that she was reburied there at some point. Now, there are several authors who argue that, that Bathory was the victim of conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've talked about that a little bit. An author by the name of Nagy argued that uh, the proceedings against her were largely politically motivated, like we said earlier, uh, due to her extensive wealth and ownership of large areas of land that the crown would have liked to have controlled instead of being in her control. Well, and it was known that the king himself owed the family a, a, quite a substantial debt. And, of course, by removing by her removing out of that her, office, debt's yeah. paid. You know, so there's that. You know, there, there are sort of counter arguments to a lot of things uh, to support her innocence. The testimony of around 300 witnesses and the physical evidence that was reportedly collected has, uh, you know, was disputed in, in a lot of cases. Uh, contradictory to to what was being testified in, in favor of. And it's possible that uh, Thurzo even rep- misrepresented the dead and the wounded patients that, that we said, you know, she was treating people. Right. So possibly these, these wounded and, and these dead that were found on Castle Grounds may have been patients. You know, she was, she was taking care of them. Well, and again, you mentioned early on in the podcast with the epileptic fits, the, the falling uh, sickness as it was called yeah the practice was to have healthy blood that yeah. you put on the body so i mean one could kind of go down that and, and and understand and help explain some of that well and, and it's also said that thurzo himself had political motivations and, and was wanting to make a name for himself and obviously disgracing one of the most powerful nobles of your area would would help to elevate step right yourself up, step right up you know uh, she served as as the inspiration for a lot of stories over the years uh, Vampire Hunter D. Bloodlust, an anime, is sort of inspired by her story, at least parts of it. 
you know, I, I, there have been countless movies made about the Blood Countess. As a, a vintage toy collector, um, there's uh, the Faces of Madness. That's a set of toys that was put out, and, and it has her in this beautifully Victorian clawfoot tub bathing in blood with yeah. candelabras. She has her own action figure, you know. I mean, there's all of this. But um, again, I mean, how much of it was punched up over the years? How much of it was made up? You know, you, you have historical researchers arguing that the things that, that, that she was accused of, she didn't even do. Well, there's so, actually a new resurgence, and I think it started about 2015, 2016, in that area of, of Hungary, where they are trying to prove her innocence and try to, you know, kind of lift that, that cloud that, you know, often we get whipped up in the whole Hollywood film and horror genre, and they're trying to find evidence and as you said it's very hard to find evidence because a lot of it was done away with i think a lot of it they didn't want to be found so there was no evidence recorded when you're talking 400 years ago yeah that, that's not easy and and again she was a powerful woman at a time when there weren't powerful women so you can understand there were a lot of people who probably would have loved to have seen her knock down a peg mm-hmm. and and you're talking a time when the world was rife with superstition you know, there are, there are bodies found buried in that time frame with stakes through the heart. You know, their heads decapitated with yep. a brick put in their mouth for the sole purpose of them not coming back from the dead. So you have you have a, a superstitious populace that, that's easily swayed by the, you know, by, by the, the voices of their respected royalty. You've got this guy who's investigating on behalf of the king. She's got a reputation, and, and she probably had a reputation for being hardcore. You know what I mean? She would have to. She be. was leading armies. She would have while to her be. husband was gone. Yeah. So she, yeah, I mean, for for lack of a better word, she was probably she probably a bitch. Yeah, and then they probably there were probably plenty of people that that wanted to see her taken down. Now I will say, depending on what story you want to you want to follow with her confinement, we'll call it. All the mirrors and stuff I had found in several accounts were removed from the castle or her room, depending on whatever story you want to follow, uh, that she was still obsessed with her appearance. I did also find some kind of underlying notes that she had turned to human cannibalism on herself, where she would like bite herself for blood in you, the last few you days. You would call that auto-cannibalism. Auto, thank you. Yeah, cannibalism obviously is eating <laughs> of someone else. Again, the stories are so hyped up, you don't know what to believe. I will say, based on her family's mental, physical history, the things she saw as a child would have to have been traumatic. Well, and you touched on it earlier. Nobility tended to be inbred at the time, which leads to mental instabilities. I definitely, I don't think she was totally innocent by any means no i there, there there's probably a grain of truth to it there, there's probably a, a piece of this that she was definitely doing some things that weren't kosher but you know maybe the you know bathing in the pools of blood yeah. and, and all that super over exaggerated some of that was probably you know combined like i said it was punched up to make a good story the art of the storyteller I mean, that's that's exactly what it's that's, all about that's why we're here that's why we're here I mean, if we just told you there was this really cool chick that was a yeah. loyalty nobility leader, yeah, that that wouldn't be much of a... You know, yeah, there's not much story in that. Not much so. story there. But Well, this is just yet another example of what you would find on Nightmares on the Lost Highway. Thank you so much for listening. We'd like to give a shout out to our first uh, paying sponsor, Raven's Loft. That's our family shop here located in uh, Lebanon, Missouri. 
It's your one-stop gaming, vintage toy, and collectible shop where you can find Star Wars, Transformers, G.I. Joe, comics, vinyl records, role-play gaming, Magic the Gathering, and so much more. We're located here at 223 West Commercial, downtown Lebanon, and also in our second location, uh, also here in Lebanon, at the Heartland Antique Mall. We'd like to thank Ravensloft for, again, supporting Nightmares on the Lost Highway. I want to take a time to thank the people that helped bring this all together. Uh, Alex Tudor, you can almost call him our producer at this point. Sarah Tudor, who also helps with some of the technical stuff. I want to take a moment to extend thanks to Eric for letting us use his space to record in kind of our makeshift studio. I, in turn, would like to thank Bill for, one, putting up with me and uh, (laughs) using this camaraderie to do something we both very much love and enjoy doing. And thank Bill's family for allowing him to spend all the time to work and clean up our recordings and present them in what uh, you hear in the final uh, terms, uh, the final edition, if you will. Um, and I'd like to thank all of you for continuing to, to listen. I know we've got some loyal followers out there. We do this as a labor of love, but we're, we're happy that there are people that enjoy it as, hopefully as much as we do. Thank you very much.